Just like in the previous few Mishnahs, we're going to discuss in our Mishnah where one tithes produce, not physically, but by designation, by saying words, a certain formula. And the main point of our Mishnah is to teach us, as we've already seen a couple of times, but here is really the source for this idea, that if one tithes produce on behalf of other produce, so meaning he separates tithes from one pile of produce, but on behalf of another pile, He's able to do that as long as both piles are obligated in maestras. But he can't, for example, separate part of a pile which has already been tithed on behalf of an untithed pile of produce. So the mission tells us, If in front of him were two baskets of tevel produce, the Omani said, The maestras of this basket, basket A, should be in basket B. Meaning that the maestras which need to be separated from basket A are being separated from produce of basket B. In other words, he is separating produce from basket B on behalf of basket A. So since both baskets are obligated in Maestras, the first one, basket A, is indeed considered tithed, and he would separate those tithes from basket B. Now if he says, The Maestras which need to be separated from basket A are to be found in basket B, and the Maestras which are to be separated from basket B are to be found in basket A. So over here, once again, only basket A is considered tithed. Why? Because once basket A is tithed, so you can no longer separate produce from there on behalf of basket B, because basket A is no longer obligated, because it has already been tithed. Okay, and now third and final case of our Mishnah, what if he says, Maestris Sehen, with regards to their Maestris, Maestris Kalkolo Bachaverta, the Maestris of a basket are to be found in the other basket. So this is much like the first case of our Mishnah, except that here he's not specifying which basket is which. So because of that, Koroshem, he has indeed called it a name, meaning he has designated the tithes, and we understand what he says to mean that he wants to separate tithes from one produce on behalf of both. And he can choose, because he didn't specify, he can choose, let's say, basket A, and will separate tithes from basket A on behalf of both basket A and basket B. Mishnah Zion, this Mishnah is complicated, Nevertheless, we will obviously try to understand it as best as possible. The focus of our Mishnah is when different types of produce, for example, Tevel, Chulin, Maisa, when they get mixed together. Now, the first thing we need to know is what we learned in the previous Mishnah, and that is that Chulin food, which is regular tithed food, since it's been tithed, that means that you cannot separate tithes from there on behalf of other untithed produce, because the Chulin has been tithed. Now, the halacha is that if, let's say, Chulin gets mixed up with Tevel, and we're not sure which is the Tevel produce, which is the Chulin produce, even if they're totally mixed up and you can't tell at all, you're still able to tithe other produce from somewhere else on behalf of the Tevel in this mixture, declare that you're tithing it, you're separating this on behalf of the Tevel, and then the Tevel will become Chulin and the entire mixture will be permitted. The case in our Mishnah is where he doesn't have other produce to do this, and therefore he has to use the mixture itself and separate parts of that mixture in order to tithe it. Now, just like we say with regards to Demai, that the Maisa Rishon and the Maisa Oni, although they need to be separated, they do not need to be given to the Levi or the poor person, because they can only receive that if they can prove that they're entitled to it. So too, in a case where Tevel is mixed with Chulin, we'll take the first example, Meo Tevel or Meo Chulin, if 100 units of Tevel gets mixed with 100 units of Chulin, so really, had they not got mixed, only the Tevel needs to be tithed, so the Levi should only receive a tenth of the Tevel. So the Levi should only really receive 10 units of Maeserishan. So if they get mixed together, that remains the same. The Levi only ever has a claim on a tenth of the Tevel produce. So he's not going to receive more than 10 units of Maeserishan. However, the owner may still need to designate more than 10 units of Maeserishan because it's mixed with some Chulin. 
as we will explain in a moment. Of course, this is not the case for Trumusmeiser or Truma. Since these cannot be eaten by a non-Kohen, any time that he needs to designate it, he'll also need to give it to the Kohen because he can't benefit from it himself. Now, the reason why you can't just separate the amount of tithes which need to be separated from the Tevel produce, so in our case where there's 100 units of Tevel, why can't he just separate 10 units of Meiserishen, and 2 units of Trimo, 1 unit of Trimus Meiser, just take the normal amounts? Why can't you ignore the Cholin? And the answer is quite simply, because anything you take out of that produce is considered to be half Cholin and half Tevel. Because they're so mixed together that any produce you take out is considered half Tevel, but half Cholin. And we know that you can't use chulin to tithe other produce. So if that which you are taking out contains chulin, then it can't be used to tithe the tevel. So what should you do in such a case when 100 units of tevel are mixed with 100 units of chulin? And the answer is as follows. First, he should separate 100 units of that mixture. And of course, what will this 100 units be considered? Half tevel, half chulin. From that group of 100 units, he should, de- he should then separate the normal tithes as if it was tevel. So he would separate 10 units of Meiserishen, which of course will be considered only 5 units of Meiserishen, because half of it will be Chulin. And then from that Meiserishen, the Levi should separate Trumus Meiser, 1 unit of Trumus Meiser, which of course is only really half a unit of Trumus Meiser. And by the way, I forgot to mention that we're talking about a case where the Trumagodela has already been separated. So that 2% which goes to the Kohen has already been separated, so we're only concerned about Trumus Meiser and Meiserishen and Meiserishen. So again, he would separate the normal tithes, but only half of them are considered real tithes, because half of them are considered chulin. Then he moves on to the next hundred, and he does the same thing. He separates the normal tithes which one needs to separate from Tevel. However, in this case, he does not need to give any more Meiserishen to the Levi. The Levi, as we said, will only ever get 10 units. The fact that it's mixed does not affect how much he will receive. However, it does still need to be designated. With regards to the Meisersheni, so since anyway he generally redeems Meisersheni onto money, it doesn't matter if the produce is mixed, because anyway he transfers it onto money. So you can just say that 10 units of the entire produce should become Meisersheni onto money. So really from the second hundred, he does not need to separate any more Meisersheni. The Meisersheni is more separated from the entire mixture as one, and redeemed onto money. Alright, so far, he's separated 20 units of Meiserishen, but of course half of it is Chulin, so only 10 of it is Meiserishen, but that's enough. The Levi only gets 10 units of Meiserishen, and that's all that needs to be separated from the Tevel. What about Trumus Meiser? So again, one unit of Trumus Meiser was separated from the first 100, and another unit was separated from the second 100. That's two, but half of it is Chulin, which leaves one unit of Trumus Meiser, which is the amount which he needs to separate from the Tevel. That was 100 units of Tevel, and Trumus Meiser is one hundredth of the original produce. However, the Kohen will still receive two units of Trumus Meiser, because each individual unit which you separated is half Trumus Meiser. So you can't eat the entire unit, because you can't even eat a mixture of Trumus Meiser and Chulin, and therefore the Kohen would actually gain by receiving two units of Trumus Meiser instead of one. Now, based on what we've said so far, one should only need, really need to separate 20 units for Meiserishen, two of which will be turned into Trumus Meiser, and then also 20 units of Meiserishen, only half of which will actually be considered Meiserishen. So that really comes to 40 units. However, the Mishnah tells us that Meo Tevel Meo Chulin, if 100 units of Tevel are mixed with 100 units of Chulin, Meitel Meo Ve'echad, you need to take out of that 101 units. Why is that? So this is really the difficult bit to understand. Although every part of the produce which you take out is halachically half chulin and half tevel, in order to separate the Meiserishen from the tevel, we need to view a hundred of them as the tevel part. We know there are a hundred units of tevel in there, and therefore we have to separate a hundred units out of the mixture, view that as tevel, even though really it's only half tevel, 
And then we can separate a tenth Maeseration, a tenth Maeshani, and a hundredth Trumas Maeser. Now, if that hundred is viewed as Tevel, that means that the other hundred is viewed as Chulin. However, since halachically it's half Tevel, you still need to designate the Maeserishan and the Maeserishani and the Trumas Maeser. However, we're not going to count the Maeserishan and the Maeserishani in the amount which you actually have to separate, because Maeserishan and the Maeserishani you only have to designate from the second lot of a hundred. Because as we explained, Maeserishan and Maeserishani won't be more than ten. But remember, this is only how it is viewed, because halachically, you've only really separated five units of Maeserishan and Maeserishani from the first lot of a hundred, because half of it was Chulin. So the other five do come from the second lot of a hundred. Halachically, it's just that we view it as all coming from the first hundred in that tenth which you separate from the first hundred. Now, of course, one unit has to be separated from the second lot of a hundred as well as Trumas Maeser, but that is because of what the halacha is, not how we view it, because we view the second hundred as Chulin. So no Trumas Maeser has to be taken from there. The reason why we separate another Trumas Maeser is because of halachic reasons, that the one unit of Trumas Maeser which was separated from the first hundred is half Chulin. So we separate another one which is half Chulin, half Trumas Maeser, so that altogether it makes one unit of Trumas Maeser. Next case, male tevel male maiser. If there are a hundred units of tevel mixed with a hundred units of maiserishan, and the trumus maiser has not yet been separated from the maiserishan, and trumus maiser is a tenth of the maiserishan. So if there are a hundred units of maiserishan, then ten units of that need to be separated as trumus maiser. So the mission says that just like in the previous case, no tomeo the echad, you have to separate out one hundred and one units. Now the way we explain this in the first case of the Mishnah is that we're not looking at it from a halachic point of view, that halachically each unit is considered half chulin, or in this case half maiserishan. Rather we view the first hundred which you take out as the hundred of tevel, and then the rest of it to be the hundred of maiserishan in this case. But if that's the case, then you should have to separate 10 units of Trumas Maeser from the second lot of a hundred. Because the second lot of a hundred is viewed as Maeserishan, and a tenth of that has to be separated as Trumas Maeser. And therefore, just like in the previous case, you have to combine this view with the Halachic view. So really, each unit is half-half. And so you view the entire mixture as one. Which means that since in this case, how much Trumas Maeser do you have to separate? So there's 10 for the Maeserishan 100, plus 1 for the Tevel 100. So that's 11 altogether. So all you need to do is separate 22 units of Trumas Maeser from the entire mixture, half of which will actually be Halachic Trumas Maeser, and then give that to the coin. That's the Trumas Maeser aspect. You'd also have to separate Maeserishan, Maeserishani. But either way, you then have to separate altogether 101, so that we can have also that way that we view the 100 as Tevel, and the other 100 as Maeserishan. And this is really the difficult thing to understand of our Mishnah, which the Mepharshim struggle with a lot, and don't really explain very much. And that is that we need to fit in with both of these ways of looking at things. One is the way that we look at the entire mixture as one, and each unit is going to be considered half-half. And as well as that, we have to view it as if the first hundred is Tevel and the second hundred is Chulin or Maeserishan, whatever it may be. And so when you combine those two, then it comes out that you have to separate on 101. Now you should note, by the way, that of this 101, he doesn't necessarily then separate the Maeserishan from it or the Trumas Maeser from it. Rather, within the 101 which he separates, is Trumas Maeser, is Maeserishan, etc., which means that what he should do is sell the 101 units, which contain a number of Trumas Maeser units, 
In the first case of our Mishnah, it contains one. In the second um, case of our Mishnah, it contains eleven. So you should actually sell the 101 units to the Kohen, and the Kohen pays you the price of 101 units minus the Trumas Meiser, because the Trumas Meiser is meant to go to him anyway. He shouldn't have to pay for that. So the Kohen would pay... In the first case, 101 minus man, so 100. And in the second case, we would pay 101 minus 11, so you'd pay for 90 units. Truth is, you actually can pay using the value of trimmer, which is cheaper, but we're not going to go into that now. Alright, third case now. Meo chulin musukonim, meo maiso. If 100 units of fixed chulin, meaning regular chulin, normal produce, gets mixed with 100 units of maiserishin. So in this case, we're actually stricter, and no tomeo esser, he has to take 110. And the reason for this is because we view the chulin as if it were Maiserishan as well. Why we view it like that is very difficult to understand. So now we'll take that as a given that we're strict in this case in that we view the chulin to an extent like the Maiserishan. Now this means that if we view the first hundred as Maiserishan, then you separate the tithes which are necessary from there, so Trimus Maiser, and then we move on to the next hundred. So if we view the second hundred as Maiserishan as well, then ten units have to be separated from there as Trimus Maiser. And that's why 110 units have to be separated as Trumas Maise in this case, because we view that second lot of 100, instead of as Chulin, we view it as Maiserishan, which therefore requires 10 units of Trumas Maise to be separated from it. Now one possible reason for why we do view Chulin in this case as Maiserishan, whereas in the previous cases we didn't view the Tevel as Maiser, for example, is because Chulin is the final stage. That's when all the tithes have been separated and you can eat that as regular produce. So something like that, we're able to revert its status to what it was originally. We can put it back a stage or two and say that it should be considered like Maiserishan. But Tevel, that's the first stage. You can't say you should view Tevel as Maiserishan or something, because that's only a future stage in the tithing process. So therefore, only in this case do we view the Chulin 100 as really the Maiserishan 100 as well. So these are the three main cases of our Mishnah. Again, very difficult to understand. There are several questions which are raised on this understanding of the Mishnah, but this is the approach in general of many of the Mephrashim Mishnayis, such as the Bautanura, in explaining this Mishnah. When introducing this Mishnah, we mentioned that all of this only applies where he doesn't have other produce which he can use to tithe on behalf of the Tevel within this mixture, or on behalf of the Maisa which is in this mixture. But if he has other produce, then he can separate tithes from that produce on behalf of the Tevel, whatever he would have had to separate from the Tevel anyway. He doesn't have to give any extra at all. And the Mishnah extends this even to a case where there's more Tevel, if let's say we go with the first couple of examples of the Mishnah, where Tevel was mixed with Maisa, or Tevel was mixed with Chulin. If there's more Tevel than Chulin, then we can view that extra bit of Tevel as other produce, and therefore you wouldn't have to separate any extra Maisras. So the Mishnah, if male tevel tishim maisa, if 100 units of tevel was mixed with 90 units of maiserishin, or tishim tevel shmoinim maisa, if 90 units of tevel was mixed with 80 units of maiserishin, for example, then lehif said klum, he hasn't lost anything, meaning he would give the amount which he would have given had the mixture even not occurred. So if, for example, 100 tevel was mixed with 90 maiserishin, he would take from that mixture itself one unit of trumas maisa from the tevel, nine units for the maiserishin, so altogether 10 units of Trumas Maisa, you take that and give it to the Kohen. And indeed, in the example we gave, that is exactly how much extra Tevel there is above the Maisa. For example, 100 Tevel plus 90 Maisa, there's 10 extra units of Tevel, and that is exactly how much Trumas Maisa needs to be separated. And the Mishnah summarizes, Zeha Klol, this is the rule, Kozman Shatel Merube. 
any situation where the tevel makes out the majority of the mixture, and as we explained, the extra amount of tevel also has to be at least the amount of trumas maisa which needs to be separated. But in that situation, Lehifzig Klumi doesn't lose out on anything, meaning he doesn't have to give any extra Trumas Maisa, which he wouldn't have had to give had the Tevel not been mixed with the Chulin or Maisa. Mishnah if somebody separates Maisa Rishon from a particular barrel of wine on behalf of other barrels of wine, but he's not sure which one he took the Maisa Rishon from. So from the point of view of the Maisa Rishon, that's not really a problem, because a non-Levi can eat Maisa Rishon, and therefore you can really separate it from any of the barrels, as long as you just give 10% to the Levi, you fulfilled your obligation of Maisa Rishon. So you can take from any barrel and give it to the Levi. However, you can't do that because of the Trumas Maisa in there, because Trumas Maisa is forbidden to a non-Kohen to eat, and therefore you need to know which barrel you designated as Maisa Rishon, because within the Maisa Rishon is Trumas Maisa, and you cannot benefit from that barrel. So the Mishnah tells us, Misha Hoyula Eser Shurais, one who has ten rows, shall Eser Eser Kadiyayin, each row containing ten barrels of wine. So you've basically got a large square of barrels, ten barrels by ten barrels, so that altogether there are a hundred barrels. V'omani says, achas maisa. A barrel in one of the outer rows should be Maiserishan, and he specified a specific outer row. Now if let's say we label each corner of this large square of barrels, there are four corners, one, two, three, four. So one outer row would be going from one to two. Another one would be going from two to three. And he knows that he designated one of the outer barrels as Maiserishan, but he's not sure the dua is he. He's not sure which row. Now, it's important to realize that he didn't yet designate the actual barrel. Rather, he said that I will separate Misa from a barrel in a specific row. And he specified the row, but not the barrel. So there's a choice of four different rows that it could be. So the Mishnah says, cleverly, He should take as the Maiserishan two diagonal barrels, meaning he should take a barrel in one corner and another barrel in the opposite corner, diagonal from that corner, and in this way he's already covered all four rows, because each diagonal is the end of two different rows. Now what happens if he says, He knows that he designated half, a, half an outer row as Maiserishan. He didn't specify the barrel, but he specified that a, a half outer row, so meaning let's say in one of the outer rows, either the first five barrels in that row, or the last five barrels, but it's a group of five barrels this time. But again, the Engel Dua he he's not sure which half row he designated. He only knows that it's a half row on the outer edge of this square of barrels. So here he can't just take two diagonal barrels, because the rows are shorter. There are now eight different rows, really, or eight different half rows, which it could be. And in order to make sure that he has a barrel from each of those half rows, he should take four barrels from all four corners. And if you think about it, that way he is guaranteed to have taken the correct barrel, because he has a barrel in every one of the half rows. Again, each of the barrels covering two half rows. Third case, if he designated one row as Maiserishan, meaning a barrel in one of the rows, and he specified the row but not the barrel, but again, he doesn't know which row he specified, but this time it's not just the outer row, it could be any of the rows. So he should take an entire row diagonally, and that way he has a barrel in every one of the rows in both directions. If he just takes one barrel from each row in a straight line, then he hasn't covered every row in both directions, he's only covered one direction. But if he takes it diagonally, then whether you go in a north to south direction or an east to west direction, he's covered every single row, and therefore he must have separated a correct barrel as Misa. 
fourth case, if what he specified was one half row. So now, he's not sure which one. So in this case, you should take an entire row times two diagonally. So you should do the same as before, but also the other direction diagonally. So barrels going from corner one to corner three, and barrels going from corner two to corner four, thus making sure he's taken a barrel from every single half row. Okay, fifthly and finally, Chovis Achas Maisa. If he designated one barrel as Maisa, he has no idea which barrel it is, and he has no indication of which one it is, then Notum Kol Chovis Chovis. He has to separate from every single barrel the Trimus Maisa. He has to take a tenth of every single barrel and give that to the coin, and it's really his fault for not making sure he knew which one he separated and designated. And again, be clear that the concern here is about Trimus Maisa, which is forbidden for a non coin and the concern is not really the Maiserician itself, because a non coin could technically eat that, keep it himself, and just give the give, give the levy a different barrel. But because of the trumus meiser which is within it, he has to make sure that whichever one he did designate, indeed the trumus meiser does go to a coin from that one. Solid masech is the mind mazeltov mazeltov. Let's now move on to masechs kilayim, and kilayim means a mixture where you mix two different things together. And essentially, there are three different categories of kilayim. The first one, which is what takes up most of the masechta pretty much the first seven parochim of the Masechta, and that is Kilayim of the field. The Torah says, Sodochol is Sizra Kilayim, you shall not plant Kilayim in your field, and that refers to the prohibition of planting two different seeds together to produce a plant, some sort of edible plant, which is a combination of those two different seeds. Now within this category, there's a more severe prohibition, and that is planting another seed in a vineyard. If you plant, let's say, a seed of wheat within a vineyard, that is called Kileha Kerem, Kilayim of a vineyard, and whereas with regular kilayim of seeds, although it's forbidden to plant it, or even to allow it to grow in your field, once it has grown, you can benefit from it, and you will be able to eat it. However, when it comes to kilea kerem, kilayim of the vineyard, it's forbidden to even benefit from it after it's been planted. So the halachas of kilayim in a vineyard are actually quite different to regular kilayim, they're much more severe, much more strict. And that is the focus of Perak Dalad He Vovan Zion. Now I should mention as well that included in this Kilaim of the field is also not only planting seeds together, but also grafting different types of produce together. Meaning once they've grown, to tie branches together, for example, so that two different species fuse together to make one larger plant, that is also part of this Kilaim of the field. Now the second category of Kilaim is Kilaim of animals. And once again, this is split into two types. One is interbreeding different species of animals. The Torah says, Behemt cholus arbia kilayim. You cannot mate two different species of animals, because again, that is kilayim. And the second part of this category of kilayim is not to work two different species of animals together. The Torah's example of this is You can't have an ox and a donkey plowing a field together. This would really apply to any work and any animals. Two different species of animals cannot do work together. And finally, the third category of kilayim is what is known as shatnas. The Torah says, You cannot wear shatnas, which is wool and linen, together. So any garment which contains both wool and linen, that is the kilayim which applies to clothes, and is forbidden. So again, we've got three categories of kilayim. Number one is kilayim of the field, and this is split into kilayim, which is the kilayim of all seeds and grains. And by the way, trees are not included in that. And the second part of that is Klea Kerem, which is Klea specifically of a vineyard. And I guess the third part of the Klea of the field, which does apply even to trees, would be grafting, fusing different branches together. The second category of kilayim is kilayim of an animal, that includes interbreeding animals and working animals together. And the third and final category is kilayim of clothes, which is specifically wool and linen.
Now the first pair of Amasechta is going to list lots of different pairs, pairs of seeds, pairs of animals, pairs of trees, and these are all examples of what are considered the same type of species and what are considered different types of species. Because for example, two different types of wheat, you are allowed to plant those together because they're the same species. It's only something like wheat and barley because they're totally different species, so that would come under the prohibition of kilayim. Now what exactly defines what is considered part of the same species is subject to discussion. The Rambam explains that there are two main things which we look at. One is the shape of the plant, so that includes the shape of the leaves and the shape of the fruit, the shape of the actual produce which is eaten. And the other thing we look at is the taste of the produce. Now if the shape of the whole plant is very very similar, then even if the taste is dissimilar, they are still considered the same type of species, and therefore you could plant them together, they would not be kilayim. If the shape is totally different, then even if the taste is the same, they would be considered two different species, so planting them together would be considered kilayim. Now if the shape of the plant is similar to each other, but not quite the same, then it depends on the taste. If they taste very similar, then they're considered the same species. If they don't taste similar, then they are considered different species and therefore cannot be planted together. All of the different examples of species which we're going to mention and say whether they are kilayim together or not, that will be based on these two criteria, the shape and the taste. The mission begins, Wheat and zunin are not kilayim together, meaning you can plant wheat seeds and zunin seeds right next to each other. If they're not kilayim, that means that they are considered the same species, the different types of that same species. Zunin is some sort of very inferior wheat grain, or possibly it just very often grows with wheat, so they're considered part of the same species and therefore can be planted right next to each other. As well as that, has se'orim vishibodas shu'ol. Barley and oats, those two can also be planted together. Hakusmva shifain, spilt and rye, those can be planted together. Hapulva sapir, pul is some sort of small bean, and sapir is some sort of pea, again they're similar. Haprogdonva teifach, these are two types of peas. Ufol halovnva shuis, a white bean and some sort of other bean. Enon climbs are not kilayim with each other, meaning each pair which we mentioned can be planted with each other. So spelt can be planted with rye, for example, but spelt would not be able to be planted with wheat or with the beans. It's only the two things in each pair which can be planted together.